going on? Jermaine Johnson, tune in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. Everybody. Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at Will on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by uh, everyone's favorite guests, uh, Joe Caparoso, host and uh, founder of Turn on the Jets, Badlands, etc. Joe, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. We're almost uh, upon our favorite time of the year, the offseason. Uh, now, I was thinking about this morning. I was like, when's the last time me and you did a pod that we didn't, that uh, was not talking about like positive not even necessarily just positive, but, you know, relevant football games at probably the end of the summer before training camp during the, the Jets last 25 year fantasy draft. It's probably the last time. Um, obviously, you know, just putting a bow in the Seattle game, not not what we kind of either hoped for, expected. I, I think the Jets had, again, had gotten a lot of luck on, on that Christmas weekend and to see the way they came out and it just felt like they were flat and some of the quotes and even Robert Sala after kind of said they it's on the coaching staff they came out flat I know there was a lot that happened Mike White obviously is clearly was clearly hurt uh we it said you know came out now he had five broken ribs um and it seems like he may have injured another one uh on Sunday are you were you more of I guess what was like the emotion for you on Sunday you know at, at seven o'clock was it frustrated angry disappointed like did you expect it where, where was your head at I guess uh now a week later I was really disappointed. Uh, you knew from the first play of the game that game was over and they, they didn't show up. And it was the same deal for the Jacksonville game. Uh, once they went three and out after getting the turnover, they just they weren't ready to play at all. And it was very apparent. And that can't happen two weeks in a row in such a big spot. And they very clearly did a poor job self-scouting about Mike White's status. It was very apparent that he could not physically play uh, with, with his rib situation. And if they didn't recognize that during the week they should have recognized it mid-game and no one dislikes watching Flacco play more than me but you're playing for your playoff life and white at 50 percent can't play at least like try to protect him a little bit by running the ball more mixing in like the Strebler package uh they just look like they had no plan no strategy and really once Seattle quickly got up seven nothing like that uh, the game felt insurmountable. It's just disappointing uh, because I could have lived with them, you know, putting up a fight and losing to Seattle and Jacksonville, like 27, 24, hanging around kind of like how they lost to Detroit or Minnesota, but to like not even show up that that's a bad look for the coaching staff. And, I, and I'm more defensive of the coaching staff than most. Yeah. Look, I, I was almost the Conklin quote after, you know, I get, you know, it was basically in every way possible, way of saying we were we came out flat which is obviously on the coaching I don't feel like that's happened this year um at all really even early in the year like they're like it's not like the Bengals game or the Ravens game it's it's not as if the Jets came out flat it's just you know obviously quarterback play the offense I felt like and I know you made this point on Badlands and, I, and that they kind of you felt like the energy of the team even though the Jacksonville game you know was a close game quote-unquote by the scoreboard and most of the time that that fourth down play kind of broke this team do you kind of feel that way still do you feel like it was that play really was like the defining play in the season of they stopped him on fourth down there even though you know Zach obviously isn't very good he's very stinks whatever however you want to phrase it maybe they lose to Jacksonville anyways but I fet like the way they lost to Detroit 
just kind of it sputtered this team, which is is weird just because I didn't feel like this coaching staff and this team let stuff get away from them. And I, I did feel like this this little three game run here, it kind of all sputtered out of control. And it just I, it's hard to the Minnesota and the uh, Buffalo games, as you mentioned, you know, very different losses. That's that's a loss. Even the Detroit loss, very different. The Seattle and the Jacksonville game felt like the game was over. Um, the second the Jets didn't score uh, a touchdown on that first drive against Jacksonville and then the first play against Seattle. And lastly, you know, you mentioned Mike White. Um, I think he's a warrior. I'd love for the Jets to resign him, bring, you know, be that backup quarterback going forward. And you know, he's a guy that, you know, maybe it's going to be a lot cheaper now and obviously likes it in New York because a good rapport at the locker room. But I do feel like if he wasn't healthy to play, or healthy enough, at least early in that game, you could tell he wasn't stepping in the throws, was inaccurate. You had to make a decision there. And you obviously see it now. Look, he's not going to play. We're going to see Joe Flacco, which we'll get to in a minute. But you still feel like that fourth down play is the, the kind of the straw that broke the camel's back uh, against Detroit? Joe, I think you're muted. Sorry, I was muted there for a second as I was deep no, into my But uh, yes, is the short answer. I think the season ended on that play and it shouldn't be that way, right? You got to be able to get off the mat, especially when you have like four games left after it. I, I feel like the the vibe in the building was like, or on the sideline even is like, all right, like we got the offense finally got over the hump. Zach got us in the end zone. We have our defense, which has been, our linchpin all year. Of course, they're going to shut the door and win this game. And they were positioned to do it. And they just were outcoached on that play and totally caught with their pants down. And I think that ended the season effectively. And that, you know, happens, but it can't happen if you're serious about being a competitor in a playoff team. And it just feels like they packed it in after that. And they even had a, you know, a chance even to still win within that game after that play. Uh, and you got to just hope it's something that they learned from. They, they took the step to playing meaningful games. They showed they're not ready to win meaningful games. And if you're in that range, you're only going to be a, a seven-win team, and that's not going to be good enough next year. So they got to really figure some things out about how they adjust and how they adapt on the fly. The game management improvements really went away in the back half of the year. Uh, game management includes knowing when to pull the plug when someone is clearly not getting the job done and not effective. And they waited too long with Zach in the Jacksonville game. Uh, they waited too long with White in the Seattle game. And the way they've kind of handled a quarterback is, is just a mess going all the way back to how they started last year with no experience backup for Wilson, then trading the pick for Flacco, and then making it seem that they didn't need to do that because White and Josh Johnson were playing well then to bring Flacco back, but then he starts the year as a third string. Uh, it's just, it was a, it's just been a very weird, weirdly handled situation. And it all culminated in them playing a guy who physically could not play in a massive game while the second overall pick was inactive, while they had a paid veteran standing on the sideline who they refused to play and another running quarterback they made active that they refused to play. It just doesn't really make any sense from a game or roster management perspective. Yeah, um, <laughs> the quarterback positions, it's the key. And I, I know everyone likes to point to all these other things. I know, Connor, and, and you kind of hit on the offensive line stuff. I'll have plenty of time, and you'll have plenty of time to go over that stuff. I don't want to touch on that too much, obviously. Just looking at my my flights for, for Mobile this morning. Uh, did not, had not paid attention to it. 
because of how much the Jets have been involved here. And I was just like, wow, we're right back to, to where we started um, a year ago. Look, the quarterback position's a mess. Uh, I said it yesterday. Uh, maybe I'll be wrong. Michael Kay reported that Woody Johnson loves Zach and, and he'll 100% be back. I, I highly doubt that. Um, the Jets are doing, maybe they will have him back and the solid quotes and the hell or high water and all this stuff. I don't know. Uh, hell or high water, I guess we'll transition to the Dolphins game quickly. Hell or high water, sure. They're still starting Joe Flacco this week. And the reasoning that got leaked is the offensive line's banged up, so they had to start Flacco. That actually makes no sense. If they were that was a true statement, you'd be starting Zach or somebody else because Flacco behind a bad offensive line doesn't make any sense. And he's only Zach's only active, for being honest with ourselves, because they've used all their options on Chris Trevler as a practice squad player. He's used all three options to get called up. So they'd have to sign him to the active roster and cut someone. Or, and it's because Mike White can't play. So we're going to see Joe Flacco Sunday. There's no be- doubt in my mind that we are going to see Zach Wilson. Oh, 100%. Send me the middle of the second quarter. It's going to be 14 3. Joe Flacco is going to get a blind side, just get blown up um, like he did last year. And he does every time because he doesn't feel a pass rush anymore. And we're going to see Zach trot out there, throw up a nice nine for 18 with 62 <laughs> yards and a pick. It's definitely and- happening. There's just, there's no way Flacco's making it through this whole game with Mike Remmers at tackle and Feeney playing guard. It's not happening. Mike, Mike Remmers playing uh, an actual meaningful, I mean, an actual NFL game for the Jets this year is one of the funnier uh, storylines. Good for him. Uh, but, you know, 11 years in, I don't think in his career, he was probably thinking that. I guess, you know, obviously this game's not going to mean much at all. Right, obviously. But is there anything you're looking forward to with this game? I don't I don't want to touch I don't want to take too much time on this, but obviously again, everyone knows Flacco's starting, most of the offensive lines out. Um what do you what are you looking for, if anything, uh tomorrow afternoon for uh to kind of focus on? Well, I'm hoping that the games develop in a way that both Miami and New England miss the playoffs and Pittsburgh gets into the last spot because I'm bitter. Uh <laughs> however that needs to happen, that's what I'm rooting for the most in terms of on the field. I'd like to see Garrett Wilson, you know, end with a nice 100, 150-yard game, get up over 1,100 yards. He's been a little quiet the last few weeks. You want to see Sauce maybe get a turnover going against Skylar Thompson. Uh, I'd like to see Zonovan Knight close the year strong. He's been a little banged up. And that's really it. There's not too much else to look for. Jermaine Johnson, Rucker, maybe they get a little more run and can make a play or two. Uh, it's, it's a pretty uh sad way to be ending this season with Flacco versus Skylar Thompson. It's like kind of even bizarre to again remember that this is like a, a women in perspective game uh for Miami and that one of the two of that Miami and New England team, both of whom stink candidly or have a good chance to get into the playoffs. Uh hopefully again it's Pittsburgh. But it's it's hard to it's gonna be hard to take too much from the game uh with how banged up they are on the offensive line and with Flacco playing. It's not it's not dissimilar from some of season finales we've seen in all these years where the Jets have been bad. There's really like not not a lot you're gonna get out of the game. So I agree with you. I have gone back and forth. Do I think it's better for the Jets to lose? You know, maybe they get the 10th overall pick, 11th overall pick. Maybe that puts them in a better spot for a tackle, whether it's Paris Johnson or somebody else, or is it you know, the Jets go receiver in round one again and go Clint Johnson. Or just, I don't know. I'm just, I, and you know, kind of going through my head of what makes the most sense or just finishing with your best win total in almost 10 years and ending on a positive note. I, I do think it's important this team plays hard tomorrow, and I, I will be really disappointed if they fully kind of lay an egg. I, I kind of think they've already started to do that, 
and that's fine. And again, I get it. If you want the draft better draft pick, like the jets are, they're not going to take any you know risks, especially with, you know, if this game gets out of hand, I don't think you're going to see some of these young guys that are the franchise, you know, Quinn Williams isn't going to play 70% of snaps or whatever, but I would like to see this team play hard, finish on a win, you know, on a positive note. I think, again, I get the other side of it and I, I'm thinking it's a, it's kind of a win-win situation. You either knock Miami out of the playoffs. It's crazy to think if the Jets could have found a way to win any of the last three or four games, they're playing a winning in game, essentially, you know, Buffalo, obviously, you know, continue to be, get positive news around Tamar Hamlin, but they're going to be a buzzsaw and, and they might beat New England by 60 points tomorrow. And it's like the Jets could have played Skylar Thompson or Mike Glennon to get into the playoffs and break a streak that, you know, candidly is going to be the worst playoff draft streak in, in all, of, you know, the four major sports in the U.S. After the Kings make the playoffs this year, we saw the Mariners get in. So um, Garrett Wilson getting rookie of the year would be huge. I think, you know, you feed him the Brandon Marshall Colts 2009 game where he got 28 targets, I believe. I see Elijah Moore maybe get seven to 10 targets and, and try to get him kind of ending on the heat a really disappointing year overall. I felt like oh, what a, what a disappointing year two for that. Carter, Carter and more than that. And it just, it's just so funny to think how the perception on draft classes changes year over year. Cause even if you go back to 2020, uh, there was initially it was like, ah, oh, like Mims looked pretty good as a rookie. That was probably a good pick. And same with Becton. And it's like now it's like the total afterthoughts. And even like a guy like Bryce Hall, 18 months ago, it was like, wow, it was day three steal with Bryce Hall. He was an active, a healthy scratch every game this year. And I'm just a little terrified now that uh we're going to see a similar downfall of this class because you need Carter and more to be good to round it out. Because the day three in that class, you've gotten nothing from Sherwood or Nazardine. Uh, or Marshall Pinnock is playing, but playing for the Giants. Um, Eccles is not really a, you know a key piece here anymore. Obviously, Michael Carter, the other the cornerback, has has been solid, but they need more and and other Carter to bounce back next year because they both were really disappointing this season. And I feel like Michael Carter basically being benched for Ty Johnson in the biggest game of the year is like it's it's a tough look. I know he's a little banged up, but he just never got going this year. Something was off. It felt like all year something was off. It felt like there was some like training camp. He kind of finally started to find it. It felt like a little bit. And then I don't know, just something about Carter this year. I'm not sure. I can't really pinpoint it. I don't know if it's all the Brees Hall stuff or whatever it is, right? Like I'm sure he felt like he had a really strong year and then I'm just guessing here. And it's like, they go and draft Brees Hall and then the fan base obsessed with Brees Hall and rightfully so. But this is a multiple back system. I think Michael Carter is a guy that needs to have a big year three. I think, you know, Elijah Moore is a guy that you hope with competent quarterback play for 17 games, Elijah Moore can play 15, 16, 17 games next year and get 800 to 1,000 yards. I don't know if he's – who knows if he's a 1,000-yard guy. We really don't know because it's all kind of projection at this point. I think he's a really nice player, and I think he's going to have a much better year three, but something's got to change there. You mentioned it. You know, Brandon Eccles and Michael Carter are both nice players. I think Eccles is a really good – you know, quarterback, cornerback three on the outside, and Carter's had a really nice year. Other than a goal, if you really look at it, and if AVT becomes a tackle full time, which is very much a possibility, obviously his value is even higher than it already is. But that class is just not amazing. And I know they missed on Zach, but the rest of the class right now hasn't had the best of years. And you mentioned it, like you know, I'm hoping next year we get a huge Jeremy Rucker jump. I think that that's very possible. And I, I was a little surprised that like he should be playing a lot on Sunday. Jermaine Johnson should be playing a ton on Sunday. Bryce Huff should be playing a ton. 
Um, Tony Adams actually looked really good the last two weeks. I'd love to see Tony Adams keep playing him. You know, maybe he's one of the safety spots and it's him and Whitehead and you don't have to, you hope that you don't have to address safety too much. Um, you know, in, in the off season, you could pay someone else. Like that's the type of stuff the Jets need to continue to find, you know, the Bryce Huffs in other type of level players that are making 550, 650K and impact players that are on rookie deals. So it's not just about the, you know, like in Thompson having a disappointing 2021 or 2022, I apologize. It sucks, but like he can easily rebound back to being the player he was next year with competent tackle play next to him. But those guys, like you can't pay 15 of those guys. You need to have, you know, the guys in rookie deals. I'd love to see them get, you know, what they did with Mims in, in the Giants game. Maybe play Mims, you know, 60, 70 snaps and throw them the ball and hope that some team, you know, is falls in love with, oh, like, see, look, the Jets just misused them and, and here's a fourth round pick for him. So time to kind of move on from the from the 2020 class. Uh, I, I think it's I'm good with kind of <laughs> being done with pretty much everybody in that class and uh, and kind of replacing them. I see this upcoming class. I want to ask you two, like three or four quick hypotheticals um, off season wise, and, and then we'll kind of get out of here. And obviously next week you have a bunch of stuff with Badlands. We'll kind of start diving into, you know, you guys will start diving into it. I'll start diving into off season stuff, recapping the year, et cetera. I'm going to start with the quarterback. Actually, I'm going to do quarterback last. I'm going to ask you the hypothetical who spitballing here who's the biggest name the jets are connected to and flirt with and becomes one of the you know quote-unquote badlands famous almost jets this offseason that's not a quarterback that's a really tough one because it's not it's not a great like free agent year I, I think especially once you get through like free agency like uh and everyone gets like franchise tagged like it, it's a pretty weak class um overall so I think there's also been like a delay in in the speculation because they are actually playing relevant games. I, I like both you and I have kind of batted around. Could they make an aggressive move for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins to round out their 11 personnel? Uh, will that actually happen? Probably less likely to happen than more likely to happen, but I'm definitely interested in making a meaningful veteran move at receiver to support Garrett Wilson and hopefully Elijah Moore, you know, getting uh, better in year three. So that's an interesting one I'll be keeping an eye on. Uh, I also think they'll, you know, they'll be flirting around uh, whatever veterans do shake free at, at linebacker and safety to kind of round out their defense. So whatever big names happen to shake free there. And then look, they're going to be tied to speculation with every single quarterback, whether they're available or not available. And that's going to lead to uh, a lot of hype and excitement. That's not going to be recognized because, you know, there's for as much as jet fans are going to talk about all these guys, most of them are not likely to end up here. Only one of them is going to end up here. We have no idea who that's going to be. So I, I, you know, this is like the first off season in a while where they're not like overloaded with draft capital and overloaded with cap space. And I don't know how many big name additions besides a quarterback are, are really coming at this point. Yeah. I, I was going to say DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas will be the guys that you're going to hear constantly of Michael Thomas is likely, you know, they looked at today. He's likely going to get cut probably as a post June one guy. Hopkins is a guy that it just makes, I feel like he's going to get moved. I don't know if it's the jets or not. It makes a lot of sense if they can make the money work, whether it's a Joe Douglas famous, you know, restructure and, you know, change the money around maybe they front load all the guaranteed money or whatever it is. Um, but Hopkins more and, and Wilson would be a hell of a trio. And then, you, you know, that makes it a little bit easier to keep, you know, maybe you draft a guy on day three that eventually replaces 
um, you know, either, you know, Hopkins or somebody else. But if you're going to bring in a quarterback, you know, you look at the boost that Arizona got when, you know, he came over, um, you know, when he was in Houston and then when he was in Arizona, the boost that the quarterbacks got Watson and, and Kyler respectively, when Hopkins is in there, they, they totally changed and the team was fantastic. So quarterback name that you are, the quarterback that they are being connected to that you are least excited about. Um, is there a name that kind of stands out on, on that end? Uh, after what I've seen the last two weeks, Garner Minshew, uh, if he can't make it work with that roster, he's not going to make it work here. Uh, Jacoby Brissett doesn't get me that excited. I know he keeps getting thrown around as like a fallback option. If we're in the fallback range, I'd rather go get Tannehill if he shakes free, which is not a guarantee. And I mentioned that and everyone's freaking out on Twitter. I'm just saying they need fallback plans if they don't get Jimmy G or Derek Carr or one of the bigger names above that. Uh, so, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to run it back with someone at that level, you're almost better off just hoping Mike White can get healthy and, and play better. Uh, they're going to have to do better than like that Brissette or Gardner Minshew level. Yeah. I, uh, I was, I was going to go with Minshew or Baker. Um, I, I think Baker Baker's not going to happen. I, Baker's I an abject like, disaster. I, I saw Arlovsky yeah. talking about it and it's Beningo keeps talking about it. I get it. He's, you know, he's looked better in, in LA. Cool. Um, when things go wrong here, you need to have really thick skin and you need to be able to kind of turn out the noise. You need to try to feel that. And I know everyone makes, you know, New York is so tough and all that stuff. It is, but when you make it work, there's no better place to win. I think everyone, we've said this over and over again. You've said it a million times. I've said it a million times. My issue with a guy like Baker and is that, you know, you cannot have a quick trigger, um, you know, on the microphone and you can't do it. You saw it with Zach. Zach's, you know, everyone blames that, you know, Zach's career guy torpedoed here because of the no, whatever. This is not the first time Zach was short with the media. It doesn't look good. It doesn't ever work here. It's a different media market, and, and Baker would just be an abject disaster. I also think the Jets having another short quarterback is probably not a good idea either. So I'm good with that. Let's. I'm going to go with two more here. Jets quarter, a quarterback the Jets are connected to that you are genuinely most excited for and would throw a Badlands, you know, uh, that Badlands pod immediately up after just basically having a party, pouring yourself a, uh, a nice cocktail. <laughs> um, look, if a Lamar miracle happened, I'd be very happy. Uh, if I don't think this is going to happen, but if Dallas loses and they decide to move on from Dak, that would be exciting. Again, it's not going to happen, but I'd be thrilled about that. Uh, I'd be happy about Rogers and, you know, I'm not, yeah, I know fans say, hey, oh, you're only going to get one or two years. Like, that would be very, very exciting. Like, there would be genuine expectations for next year with him. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'd just be more excited about him being the quarterback than Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, so I, I think those, you know, if you get that level of a guy who has been an MVP or has been an all-pro caliber player, like, how could you not be excited? I, I don't think that's necessarily the most likely path, but I, I'd be really excited uh, for all those, I don't think Brady's a realistic option. I don't think he's ever going to come here. But uh, so those those are the three that are at the top top that I'd be that excited about. Yeah, no, I I think uh, Rodgers probably isn't happening. But I'm sorry if you got Rodgers for two years here, you're instantly Super Bowl contenders, whether people like it or not. People they're going to be playing prime time, you know, eight times next year if that happened. I just I know Lamar's unrealistic to come to the Jets, maybe. But I just don't – I don't know that Lamar is going to be back in Baltimore. There is so much stuff. There was so much stuff last offseason. Kind of got all, you know, shoveled under the rug a little bit. And it's like, oh, Lamar's back, whatever. They offered him a nice deal. He said no. 
I don't know, he's taken quite a long time to come back from this knee injury, and it feels like the Ravens are more than happy to, you know, say, okay, you know, we're, we're going to keep moving on here and, you know, rolling with Tyler Huntley. And, you know, there was the whole Bucky Brooks was saying that the Ravens were going to take a quarterback two years ago, and, you know, they were just going to play out Lamar's deal and let him walk. He's 25 years old. If you're Joe Douglas, who worked in Baltimore, I don't know. I, I would – there is no offer that I think the Jets can make, really, that I would say no to for Lamar. Like – if you told me right now that the Jets had to offer a three ones, DJ Reed and and a, you know a future couple future day three picks, and you give Lamar three hundred million, like you do it because he's twenty five years old and he the Jets would instantly again be Super Bowl a Super Bowl level team. You can then compete in an AFC where you have one of the five best quarterbacks in the AFC, or it could be at any time the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. You're competing with Burrow, Herbert. Um, you know, Mahomes, Allen, like you have that level of quarterback and you would instantly be better than Miami and New England without question. So you do it all day. And, and I don't think you think twice. I agree with you on Brady. It'd be, it'd be funny. It would just be like, I, I just, the worst, my like biggest fear though, is like you get Brady and then he comes here and it's like, he really looks genuinely washed. And it's like, of course, uh, <laughs> Tom Brady's a jet and I think he like hates the Jets just as much as Bill does, which is, I guess, unless he hates Bill more than, than the Jets. Um, last, last, you know, these are kind of like go hand in hand. The name that one, one guy on the Jets roster right now, that's a surprise that he's not back next year. And one guy that um, we think is going to be gone that ends up being, you know, on the roster in 2023. I think Lagan Tomlinson is definitely going to be back. I, I see a lot of fans talking about like moving on from him. Like he'll, he'll be back because of his contract next year. So um, despite all the tweets we'll see about him being gone, he'll, he'll be on the team next year. Uh, I could see both Lawson and Davis being gone. I think most people think it's going to be one or the other. Candidly, if I was trying to like rebalance the roster and getting ready to need to invest again at quarterback and offensive line, I would move off of both those guys and get whatever savings you can. I actually think it's the right move. I, I think at edge, you spend a first round pick on Jermaine Johnson, and I'd rather pay to keep Huff to go with him. And I, I think you work with Johnson and you work with Huff at edge and you keep, you know, you keep kind of building around that. Um, and then with Davis, I just, he's just not not it can't stay healthy can't catch the ball consistently gets called for a false start twice a game um go find go get better in your 11 personnel group and and, and find a way to to get another veteran there so I, I think you know you're going to see tomlinson back you're going to see the tight end room look the same because of their contracts but I, I think the older free agent contracts i think will be gone also wouldn't be surprised if they ended up cutting bait with barrios uh after how we finished the year and what they paid him and i think there's probably a way to do that without you know any like penalty yeah, I, I get, I'm going to go similar players. Thomas is going to be back. So is Mosley. They're not eating 12 to $15 million on both contracts this year. Like they're, they're both players. Thomas should be better. Mosley's a pro bowler this year. Like it's not happening. Um, I don't think Corey Davis is back. I, you know, a bunch of people I had on the pod in, in August said if Corey Davis doesn't have a big year, they've heard he's going to be gone. And that was before he had a bad year. So in this time. So I like Corey Davis. I thought maybe you know, six weeks ago, I thought maybe they kind of do the, the Jameson Crowder, you know, semi-extend him, but also reduce his cap hit and give him more guaranteed money because obviously there's none there. Lawson had a nice year. I think he's really well-liked and respected, but I also don't think he was, he's a $15 million a year edge rusher. If he, he's another guy, can you either, can you say, you know, can, we're going to make your contract two for 20 and we'll guarantee it, but you know, you're not going to make that extra 5 million and we're going to use that to pay Bryce off. Like if that's the case, sure. You run it back, but if not, um, 
I just have a hard time saying, thinking the Jets are going to pay $38 million next year for, for Corey Davis and Carl Lawson combined. Barrios, I think, is a either gets cut or, you know, restructure type of guy. Dwayne Brown, I think, is going to retire. I think Fant's gone. I think hope, I hope they bring back Quan Alexander and Sheldon Rankins. I think Sheldon Rankins needs to be back. I think Quan would be a nice to have. Um, not like a, it's not, you know, crucial signing, but those are the type of signings that did help them win games early in the year. My other two guys who I think will not be back, and I think oh, I see a lot of fans kind of give me pushback. I don't think Denzel Mims or Mekhi Becton will be here in 2023. I, I just, I, I would have a hard time believing that as stubborn as Joe Douglas has been with his draft picks, that they're going to run it back for year four of the same thing when it's a make or break year. I just, I don't see it. Like every time they had a chance to make an impact, it's like the Jets try to hand them these jobs a million times. It doesn't happen. So they're the other two um, that I, I just have a hard time seeing. And then the other guys, Marcus Joyner is gonna, obviously going to retire as well. Um, so the Jets are going to get quite a few guys that walk away and they're going to have a lot more cap space, I think, than, than people are willing to admit. It's just a lot of it needs to be used on a quarterback. So I guess uh, that's kind of the issue there. Yeah, and you're gonna they're gonna be you know paying Quinnen, and they're gonna be have other things to do. I I think Mims is definitely gone, 100. Uh, Bryce Hall will be gone. I think Becton's gonna be interesting to see because I I don't know. I could see them like seeing how he recovers this offseason. I just think you can't plan on him starting. I think if he plays like great. yeah, you guys mentioned like a Mitchell Becton like comp yeah. like a competition at right tackle, and then someone yeah. else plays left tackle. I could live with that. Mims, you, you got to cut bait with. I, I still think it's they'll probably draft an offensive tackle in round one. If you ask me again, like if you ask me today, what the pick is likely to be. So yeah, look, the, the roster is going to change a lot. Cause like you said, guys, like, you know, a guy like Joyner is going to retire. Fans going to leave. There's going to be some other pieces moving around and um, th there'll be a lot of turnover uh, at, at once you get past the top five or six players on the team. Yeah. The other name um, before, as, as we wrap here, Connor McGovern's the, I think is one of the most interesting, might be actually the most interesting Jets internal free agent, in my opinion, because he's probably a top five, top six player, paid player on the team, if I'm not mistaken. And he had a nice year at times, but it felt like the end of the contract. Uh, I mean, the end of the year was, was not great. And I mean, this year he, his cap hit was, you know, double digits, a $10 million a year player. I, I'm not sure he's a $10 million a year center. And that's kind of, you know, so do they, do they give him and he's, you know, going to turn 30 next year. So it's, I just, I'm very interested to see what happens with him because You'd love to not have another holder replace at center. McGovern's durable. He plays, you know, plays hard. He's a, you know, he's a solid player again. But that contract is is going to be interesting. You know, and it's like I, I just don't know what they do with him. He's he's a guy that um, he's the top ten highest paid center in football. And like he's he is he worth that? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I don't think he's the top ten best center. It's just, but again, is it? having the stability at center year game after game, is it worth it um, to be in that room? I, I don't know. I know you've had your back and forth battles with that one. Yeah, it's a tough one because it's like, are you just creating another hole if you let him walk and, and who are you going to have replace him? I think he's okay. Um, he's certainly better when the play around him is better. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he was back. Uh, I could see them doing like a short-term deal that keeps him here for another year or two, uh, considering all the other work they're going to be doing on the offensive line and around the rest of the offense. And last question, and then we, and we're going to wrap here again. We'll be back. Um, Joe will get a, uh, you know, tell you a little bit about profit exchange as the season kind of wraps here. 
Who will the Jets backup quarterback be? Mike White, Zach Wilson, or a rookie? Definitely won't be a rookie. Uh, I think as of today, I will go with Mike White. Um, I think they'll hang on to Wilson. Ultimately, it just creates too much of a weird situation if he's the backup quarterback. Uh, I think White will come back on a cheap deal um, as the number two. And if he's backing up a guy like Jimmy G, we're likely to see him start a handful of games next year anyway. Uh, so I think they'll, I think, I think, I don't think Zach or his side want to be here anymore either, candidly. And I think there'll be a team. I like your suggestion of like an Arizona situation where they're going to kind of have a lost season next year. So that do they like throw a dart on taking him with a day three pick or someone else will. I just think it's best for both sides for him to move on. Yeah, I just, I am, I am like very, I feel pretty confident that we're going to get the rap or Shefty tweet or, you know, Connor, whoever is going to tweet it out, you know, per source, the Jets have traded. Zach Wilson, the Arizona Cardinals for a 2024 or 2023 fifth round pick and a 2024 conditional fourth that can become a two, you know, if he plays 50% of the snaps next year or something like that, or throws for more than seven touchdowns in a season. Like I just, I sense it coming and it's like the car, the car, I don't know, maybe it's Zach that, and you know, that's how they get the Andre hop who knows, but I just, I don't feel like Zach's going to be here. And I, that story felt very much like shifting the blame. There's a lot of, there's a lot of blame being thrown across the aisle here. We saw LaFleur do it. Solid do it a little bit. I'm sure Douglas is going to start to leak some stuff about the staff um, or the ownership group. But this is just with the Jets, you know, par for the course, um, you know, in the month of January. But, um, Joe, you want to hit on uh, what profit exchange has got here before, as we kind of move into the playoffs? Yes, sir. The NFL playoffs are almost here, and you won't find better odds all postseason long than at Profit Exchange. All new users can get a risk-free bet up to 250 Download the Profit Exchange app from the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and sign up today. Must be 21-plus and present in NJ. Terms and conditions apply for deposit match. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Make sure to check that out. Obviously, make sure to stay with us at Badlands. We're going to have a lot of stuff rolling out soon. Uh, including a new tier. So we, we're, we're fired up about the offseason being here uh, while being disappointed about how the season ended, of course. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you guys uh, next week.